0: Okay. Well, good morning and a special shout out to Rondo. Hope you're listening and uh, thanks for all you did to help us get online. So uh, there'll be a test for you later, Rondo, by Richard to see if you actually listen to the message or not. So you'll pass the test. Um, We're in our second series on faith again this morning. And uh, as some of you have already shared, when we talk about faith and we realize that God is testing our faith to grow us, that some of you had a few little tests this last week, right? So hopefully you've passed and... uh, Again, we're on faith one more time, so guess what is gonna happen this week? We're gonna have more opportunity to grow in God. Isn't that good news? Everyone's so excited about that. Well, let me ask this. Have you ever bought something only to find out that what you bought really isn't what it is? You know, that, Uh, We always think of this in a negative sense, that we buy something and it just doesn't live up to the commercials, the advertisements, the, the, you know, I I always think personally for myself, you know, I see these beautiful pictures of sandwiches from the sandwich places on TV and they look so good. And if I actually go and buy one there, it's nothing like what they show on TV. You know, it's just kind of smashed down and all together. But we all know that in a negative sense, kind of like the uh, Susan Summer Thigh Master or the sauna suits of the 1980s. Remember, those were all kind of a bust. But have you ever bought something and it didn't turn out like you thought it would, but it turned out better? There was a woman in campaign France that purchased a picture and she had it hanging in her kitchen just for years. She just bought it at some little local flea market and had it up there. Um, And as she was getting older, she decided to sell her house and she included pretty much everything in her house to sell at auction because she wanted to downsize and she had this picture just sitting over there in auction, ready to be sold off, not thinking she'd get maybe a buck or two for it. And it happened that an art critic walked into the auction and saw that picture and realized that it was a 13th century long-lost work of the Florentine artist uh, Camigru. It's a masterpiece in the art world known as uh, Christ Mock, and it's part of a series of paintings that depicts Jesus's crucifixion. This one Painting that this woman just randomly had hanging in her house for years and thought she'd get a dollar or two, ended up selling for $26.8 million. <laughs> Man, wouldn't that be a nice surprise? You see, God is kind of like that when it comes to our faith. It state, He states in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 to 8, he says, Ask, and what? It will be given to you. Seek, and what? You will find. Knock, and what? The door will be opened unto you. For everyone who asks, receives, and he who seeks, finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. You know, like we talked about in communion with that cow looking over the wall, we talked about being faced with that wall of anxiety and trouble. It's interesting that Jesus says, if you knock, the door will be opened. To realize that this door is shut, And if all we do is just knock on that door, he will open the door for us. Which is interesting because some of you remember the old picture, um, 50 year old picture of uh, Christ knocking at the door of the little cottage. If you haven't, go back and look at that picture again because there's no doorknob on the outside of that door. The only way for him to get in is for us to open the door and let him in. And here in Matthew, he says, if you knock, the door will be open for you to come in to me. Jesus is referring to our search for God and truth in faith. And it's the awareness that we realize that uh, God is more than we've made him out to be. You see this a lot with young Christians when they come to, to salvation and they have this mindset of God, right? And they think God is this and this and this, and then they get confused because that's not who God is. But even as we go through our life in faith, we hit those points in life where God grows us in our faith. In essence, what happens when we come into his presence, we suddenly realize that our paradigm, our, 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 our outlook, our view of God is not who God really is. In fact, the reality is that God is much greater than we have made him out to be. God is much bigger, much more powerful, much more loving, much more forgiving than we have ever made him out to be. And so as we knock and seek and find God, when we come into his presence and realize who he is in this aspect of faith, what we're challenged to do is to change our paradigm, our picture, our view of who God is, and in faith to accept him for who he really is. As we come here, we talk about this and the testing of our faith with God. Last week, we looked at the testing of our faith, although we don't like to talk about that. We don't like that to happen. That, As we looked at last week, the testing of our faith really is a good thing if, if conditionally, we do what? We press into God, we obey, and we do things God's way. But on the other hand, because that if is a conditional statement, right, it's, it's inferring there's a choice. When God tests us, if we continue to choose to do it our own way, Well, it can be crushing, can't it? It can be crushing in this downward spiral because when we don't follow God, we don't align up with his long-term plan, and we're just left aside by ourselves. We need to come to terms in this issue of faith that when God tests us, it's a good thing. It's to grow us in maturity, to grow us in our understanding of him, and to grow us to be able to overcome anything that God wants to change us into someone eternal And not someone temporal isn't that really what happens in faith as God is growing us he is creating us for an eternal future not a temporal future the here and now we talked about last week about uh, um, the fact that this life whole life may just be a short-term test to prepare us in faith for heaven right to trust in God to follow God to obey God this is just a simple time to grow us like you talked about in school to that next grade that next level but we have to get through this one first now with this life transforming aspect of following God in faith we have that choice we can accept it and follow in faith or we can what reject it and rebel against it and go against the other other go against God and not follow him and we need to realize that if we don't follow God if we don't obey God that is literally rejecting him, right? It's not just a casual thing of, well, I'll follow God here, here, and here, but not here. When we don't follow God, we're literally rejecting him and saying that, God, um, I know you're God, but you really don't know how to handle this situation. I know more than you do. Isn't that literally what we're saying when we do that? We take that point and we say, God, hold on for a minute. I got this on my terms. In other words, what we really do in that moment is we, in essence, make ourselves God in the big picture. Does that make sense? That when we tell God, no, I'm not going to follow you, I'm going to do it my way. In essence, what we're telling God is he is not good enough, smart enough, great enough, powerful enough to follow him. But somehow we are because we know a better way. That, when you put it in that way, is really a scary thought, isn't it? To realize that God says, you will have no idols before me because I am a jealous God, and when we don't do things God's way, we're putting ourselves in that position of being that idol, and God doesn't like anyone in his place. So we wanna talk about growing in faith, because that's the whole point, because growing in faith is good, following God in obedience is good, and we want to be in that good place. God tests us to grow us. And again, although that may seem scary, it's a good thing. Not always easy, but good. When it comes to us, we talk about plants. We want plants to grow, right? Christy and I have a garden. We don't like it when the things we plant don't grow. We like it when they grow. Why? So we have the beauty of food and the flowers that are out there. We want our intelligence to grow, right? Anybody in a room wanna get stupider every day? Some of it just happens. It just happens, yeah. As you get older, (laughs) It it does happen, but, you know, we don't sit there and say, gee, man, I hope tomorrow I'm going to be stupider than I am today. We want to grow in our intelligence so that we have wisdom, we have discernment, we have understanding. We all can relate with this one. We want our savings, our finances to what? Grow and increase, right? So we have money, so we can do the things we hope to enjoy. We, you know, anybody, again, want to stand up and say, hey, I just hope I have less money tomorrow than I do today? No, we don't want that. We want to have more. We, get those, we want to have those promotions. We want to have that bank account grow. Uh, we want our possessions to increase in value so we have equity, right? People buy a house, they don't want to lose that value. They want it to grow in value so they have equity later on. We want our family to grow so that we have more to be in fellowship with. Fact is, all of us really want things to grow into what? More, right? Whether it's food, finances, family, intelligence, we want things to grow, and that's exactly what God wants us to do when it comes to our faith in Him. He wants us to grow in that faith. But the challenge is, in growing in faith, is really us. Remember the old comic strip Pogo? The little, the little kind of bear-looking thing? He said, uh, he made this statement that actually came out of the 1800s, He said this many years ago in one of the comic strips. He said, we have met the enemy, and the enemy is us. We are our own worst person when it comes to growing in faith, because again, what we have to do to grow in faith is we have to surrender and come under God's authority, which nowadays, coming under authority, if you watch the news lately, People don't want to be under authority, they want to be their own authority. So this is a submission if, issue of doing things another person's way, specifically doing things God's way. The amazing thing is that when we do it and we press into faith and see the test that God is giving us as a good thing, and we press into him and we obey him, good things happen because we're in God's will. Now initially, it's a little difficult. Why? because trusting God in real faith is somewhat foreign to us. Even for people who have been Christian for a long time, we come into a situation and we tend to fall back on our own wisdom, right? Or someone's suggestion. Trusting God is a step at a time to grow in faith. Now the two biggest hurdles to grow in faith are this, starting and continuing. Pretty simple, isn't it? But those are really the biggest hurdles. Starting to grow and trust God in faith and then continuing that on a regular basis. But what we, do, what we see when we start to grow in faith, and then we continue to grow in faith, and just a little thing and a little thing and a little thing day on and day on, we are rewarded by God's amazing love. We look back at last week that when we follow God in his faith, he makes us complete, perfect, and lacking in nothing, as the book of James says. That's a good outcome, isn't it? When we do things God's way, we realize this. That goodness and relief and contentment doesn't come from a pill, doesn't come from a bottle, doesn't come from a bailout, a subsidy. It just comes from doing the will of God and not just hearing the words of God. Last week we looked at the first of four common tests of faith that God grows us in our faith and the first one was really exciting because God grows our faith through difficult times. Wasn't that a fun subject? He grows our faith through difficult times because it compels us to depend upon him more and more. So if you haven't heard the message or you were asleep last week, I'd say go back and listen to it. It's a good message. This week we're looking at the second of four most common ways God grows our faith. And here it is. Are you ready? You probably should sit down for this one, right? Are you Are you ready? Laura, y'all good? Okay. <laughs> Everyone got your helmets on? Safety first, right? Okay. The second way, most common way God tests our faith is through demands, through demands. In essence, God asking us to do the seemingly impossible. God asking us to do ridiculous things that don't make sense. God asking us to do things that we just don't wanna do. A demand, you could call it a command. God tests this by giving us a command or demand And it confronts us to where we have to make that conscious choice to obey now if you didn't know in the New Testament alone not even going into the Old Testament in the New Testament alone there are 1050 commands for the believer to obey Wow that's a lot right I have trouble with 10 out of Deuteronomy the Ten Commandments can you imagine trying to keep 1000 50 commands? Now again, the whole point of the New Testament is to live in the fulfillment of what God has called us, not the legalism, the letter, the criticalness of the law. But God calls us to obey these commands, and some of them seem absolutely ridiculous and unreasonable. Most are very inconvenient to the way that we wanna live our lives, and some of them just seem downright impossible. So what do you do when God gives you a command that seems impossible and almost like a demand on God's terms. Well, you have that choice. You go God's way or you go your way. We act as, quote, a Christian, Christ like, and we obey God, or we again look to ourselves to be the idol and make decisions, putting ourselves above God by saying, God, we know more than you do. In God's ways, we realize again that these demands or these commands are a testing of our faith with a good outcome to grow us into maturity. It's a good thing, but sometimes they seem very difficult, impossible, and again, um, not so convenient for our life. We have to ask ourselves who are we going to believe in that moment? Who are we going to trust? Are we going to trust God? Are we going to fall back on our own trust? Are we going to trust and believe that Jesus has a plan, or are we gonna fall back on our own experience? Well, the question I wanna say with that is for most of us, our own experience continually gets us in not so good places. So a better idea is to follow God. Here's some of the commands that God gives us that seem inconvenient or impossible uh, and very frustrating. Don't worry about anything. Well, that's an easy one, right? Everyone got that one down? Don't worry about tomorrow. Today has enough trouble of its own, but be anxious for nothing, is what the Word of God says. That's one of the commands, the demands, that God gives us to obey or not obey. Everybody pass the test when you have that one? Don't worry about it, you know? Kind of like the old song, don't worry, be happy. You've got a savior that's looking out for you. Another one, do good and love, who? Your Your enemies. Oh, that one is so easy. I mean, that's Richard's. That's his favorite. I know that (laughs) we talk about that on a regular basis on Sundays. Do good and love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Wow. We really break it down. That's difficult. What about this? Forgive. Be quick to forgive. How often? Always. Don't hold that grudge and let Satan get a foothold. Forgive quickly and always. Here's one, sounds positive until we really break it down and think about it. Be thankful, rejoice in, what? Everything. Be thankful and rejoice in everything. Huh. you mean even a bad time? Even when someone hits my car? Yeah, God says to rejoice in that because there's a bigger plan in that weird thing somehow. Here's one that really gets a little bit more challenging. Confess your faults to one another. Wow. You see, these are tests of our faith, right? They're tests of our faith to say, am I gonna trust God i'm gonna kind of back off and just try and disappear into the woodwork where nobody sees me so i don't have to do these things am i going to trust god or go off my own opinion what am i going to do besides the 1050 commands or demands in the new testament that god calls us to trust him in we see literally hundreds of, of examples in the bible of god saying do this we see a lot of people that failed One example is we've talked about the rich young ruler where he says, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus asked him if he's kept the commands. And he says, oh, I've done all that all my life, which probably we need to deal with the command of lying at that point. But, you know, we'll give that to him. And Jesus says, go and sell your possessions and come and follow me. And again, the issue wasn't that the young man had money. It was the issue that the young man had made his money an idol. And he couldn't let that idol go. To follow Jesus. But there's also good commands in in the Bible where God gives us good examples of people following him. There's a mix. So let's look at some of these examples as we talk about God placing these demands or commands upon our life. And asking asking us to trust him. Uh, Way back in Exodus. Remember, God's people have been in slavery for 400 years. They are crying out to God to lead them out. God moves miraculously with all the things through uh, Pharaoh and and all the the plagues that come upon Egypt. And finally, God's people are allowed to go out into the wilderness, into the desert. People are just giving them wealth just to get them out because they're tired of the plagues. They don't want them anymore. So God leads his people out into freedom. When they get out there, God commands them that he's going to give them this flaky little thing food that will be on the ground, to collect in the morning, called manna. Remember that story? And his call is, his command is, his demand is, you go out in the morning, as the sun first comes up, you collect the manna, how much? Just enough for today, except for the Sabbath, then you collect for two days, but just enough for today, and then I'm going to have the sun melt the manna, it will go away, but you'll be provided for today. We read in Exodus 16, chapter four. The people are to go out each day and gather enough manna for that day. In that way, I will test them. Whoa, do you see what God's doing with these people? He's testing them, and how often is he testing them? Six days a week, actually seven, because people were probably out trying to look for manna on the Sabbath. He's testing them daily, seven days a week, For as we know, how long did they wander around in the desert? 40 years. He says, in that way I will test them to see whether they will follow my instructions. Now, there's all kinds of reasons why for the people this command of God didn't make sense. Let's put ourselves in their place for a little bit. We were in Egypt and we were in slavery, but we had a loaf of bread or we had a little fish or we had something to drink. May not have been much, but we had something. Now we're in the desert, we're not planting gardens, we don't have orchards, we're having to completely trust God to provide for us. And God says he'll give us this manna. But where does our mind go? God says only collect enough for today. What's the first thing you think of? Well, God, wouldn't it be a better use of my time to collect everything for the week and then, you know, I don't have to do this every day, I could sleep in, right? Well, what if... What if one day there's not enough manna out there? What am I going to do? i want to go hungry. I mean, where does your mind go when you think of you're not going to eat today, perhaps? And you can't bank this manna up. Remember, they tried doing that, and what happened? There were worms in it, right? It was bad. You couldn't eat it. You had to throw it out. Our mind goes to the fact that when God says, do this, we immediately go to a place that says, well, wait a minute, God. Maybe there's a better way to do this. Again, maybe I should just collect for the whole week. That'd be easy, I can store it, get out what I need. Or God, what if what happens someday and it rains and it rains away the manna? What are we going to do? What we find is these people are probably in a place where they're more concerned about the filling of their stomach than following God. Isn't that really what's going on? They're concerned about that temporal ache in their stomach of, what about me? And what, am I gonna have enough food today and tomorrow and the next day and the next day? But, God, this is kind of a ridiculous request. You see what could be going on in their mind? Now put ourselves in that place, don't we really do the same thing? When God says, trust me today, we're going, "But, but God, you know, that's, really? We come into a situation, God says, obey my word and follow me, and we're like, oh, but God, I don't think you see the whole picture. That's where our mindset goes. Break this down a little bit further. God asked them to go out every day except for the Sabbath, six days a week, and collect manna. So initially we think, well, God's having them tested for the day, right? No. How long does it take them to collect the manna? Well, I'm going to be generous and give them two hours, right? They get up in the morning, the manna's on the ground, they go and collect the manna for the day, and then the sun melts it and goes away. So let's put it in that perspective. God is asking them to trust him for two hours. That's it trust him for the two most critical hours of the day because in that day and that morning they get everything they need for the day so we're gonna call that the two most critical hours of the day because it prepares them for the rest of the day for nourishment and substance and everything but God is only asking them to trust him for those two hours and it's a very little thing it's not a big thing like asking you know where God saying hey you just trust me for 80 years and we're good we're going oh my gosh how can I do that We break it down, and we're in that same boat. We put ourselves in that same place of saying, okay, can you trust God for two hours today? This Sunday, this day, can you trust God? You don't have to worry about the whole day. Just trust God for two hours. That's all I want you to do. Can you do that? Well, in our pride, our initial first answer is what? Sure, two hours out of 22? (laughs) I'll do that while I'm sleeping. I'll be praying in my mind. I'll be sleeping good, (laughs) right? Yeah." God's saying those two most critical hours of your day, whatever they are, I want you to trust me and I want you to obey me. You see, again, God doesn't ask us to trust him perhaps while we're sleeping and our minds off wandering. He's saying, you give me the two most important hours of your day and you trust me completely in in those two hours. You're in a grocery store and you notice The checker gives you extra cash, extra change. Do you pocket it? Do you give it back? You're in a situation with your boss or something and something happens, or you're caught doing something you shouldn't. Do you lie and make excuses? Or do you fess up and you're honest? You're with some other person and they start making fun of Jesus and Christianity. Do you speak up? Or do you stay silent? You see, two hours is really a long time, isn't it? Two hours can seem like an eternity. But what's happening is God is asking us to be faithful in a small amount of time. Do you know why? Because if we can learn that, what can we do? We can be faithful in a bigger amount of time. You see, for the people in the wilderness that were wandering around, what God asked them to do just didn't make sense. Because their concern was for their temporal need. I'm hungry. Can you hear my stomach growling? I'm hungry, I gotta eat, I gotta eat. Notice you don't hear them talking and complaining about, I gotta trust God more, I gotta, I gotta be more faithful, I gotta, I gotta love the Lord and be more God-like. You don't read that in Exodus, do you? You hear them complaining about, God, what are we gonna eat? God, give us meat, God, what are we gonna drink? We're, we're in the desert, how are you gonna meet our need? And don't we fall in that same trap? God, how are you going to take care of me today? How am I going to pay these bills? What if this breaks down? God, Lord, what am I going to do? What if my family goes awry? What am I going to do, God? When the big picture is, we should be saying, God, how can I be more faithful? God, how can I be more Christ-like? God, how can I love you more? God, how can I be closer to you? God, how can I do you well? You see, we're no different than those people wandering in the desert. We're concerned about ourselves in our world and we're missing the big picture. That's why God's commands or demands upon our life seem absolutely ridiculous and far-fetched and impossible. Because again, we're looking at who? Us. We're not looking up to God. We're looking at ourselves going, well, who's gonna take care of me? And God's up there going, Well, I am, if you'll just give me two hours and let me take care of this and do it my way, I'll take care of you. It's a different picture, isn't it? It's a different picture. But again, as the Bible says, if you're faithful in little, you'll be faithful in much. If you're not faithful in little, you won't be faithful in much. So God comes to us and says, okay, today, Christian, be Christian, be Christ-like, just give me two hours. The two most critical hours of your day And when you get that down, we'll try it again tomorrow. And we'll try it again tomorrow. And again, you see God is exercising that muscle of faith in us to grow us. It may not make sense to you, but here's the kicker of the Bible. It doesn't have to make sense to you, does it? Because that's fitting God into our paradigm, our understanding. That we say, God, I need to understand it before I do it. That's worldly logic. That's not faith. God says faith is believing, not seeing. So the test is it doesn't have to make sense to me. I don't have to understand it. And that's okay. Because God has a plan. God has a plan. Again, Look back in the Bible of all of God's plans that just didn't seem to make sense, but they all came out good when people obeyed. Taking down an entire city in the walls of Jericho by what? Marching around and blowing trumpets. Good military plan. Hmm. Having a teenager take on a giant named Goliath instead of having the whole army attack him. Having a savior born in a barn in a world that hated him before he came. Having a single prophet of God taking on 400 cult prophets in a test to the death. Asking his followers, Jesus asking his followers to take a simple few sardines and a couple crusty rolls of bread and feed four or five thousand without going to the store or bringing in a food truck. Asking men, say perhaps fishermen, to just pick up and completely walk away from their career and follow an itinerant preacher named Jesus. You just step away from your career right now and follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And those are ridiculous, impossible ask, aren't they? God, you want me to do what? That's what God's doing. God asked us to do the impossible and seemingly ridiculous. Why? Why? To learn to trust the only person that can do. The impossible. To learn to trust and follow and obey the only one who can truly overcome all these things. I don't know of anyone, including doctors, that have ever raised anyone from the dead, who have made a little spit mud in the dirt, put it on someone's eyes, and suddenly they could see. Well, that doesn't make sense. Here's mud in your eye, and I'll see. Well, that kind of seems uh, counterintuitive, doesn't it? But that's what Jesus did. Touching a person and healing them of of leprosy. You see, God asks us to do the impossible because he wants us to rely on the impossible overcomer. And that's only in God himself. Guy by the name of Abraham, you remember his story. He was 75 years old, man, retirement time, here we come. And God says, hey, Abraham, Abram, I want you to start a new ministry. I want you to go somewhere that I'm gonna lead you, and I want you to get to work. Well, if you were Abraham, what are you thinking? (laughs) Dude, I'm 75 years old, been working all my life, I'm ready to retire and, and hit the beach, right? You know, or the mountains, that's that's where I wanna go. I wanna be in that little cabin up on, that, up on the mountains, right? God's saying, no, we're gonna go on a journey. Well, if that were me, I know what I would do. I'd be like, okay, God, where are we going? I'll tell you when we get there. Oh, well, how am I gonna know what to pack or which car to take? Don't worry about it, I'll tell you when you get there. God, how will I know when we're there? I'll tell you when you get there. God, what are we gonna do in this ministry? Because I gotta got got buff up on some you know some books and stuff to be prepared. I'll tell you when the time is right. Human nature is to want to understand and be in control of the situation right? We want to say, Lord, just tell me where we're going. I'm going to pull out Google Maps on my phone. I'm going to find the quickest way to get there. Tell me what our ministry is so that I can pop down some audio books so I can listen to them on the journey. So when we get there, I'll be ready and prepared to do this ministry. And God says, ha uh you just get in the car and go. And when you're there, I'll tell you. And what I want you to do when it's time, I'll tell you. I just want you to do those famous words that Jesus said again and again and again in, in the New Testament. See, this follow me thing isn't a new thing. He just said, I want you to follow me and trust in faith that I know what I'm doing. Well, Abraham was a better man than me. Because Abraham, it says in Hebrews 11:8, eight, by faith, Abraham obeyed and went by faith faith in the God that can do the impossible you see in our minds when God asks us gives us a demand or a command in our minds that's often a risk faith is risky in our minds isn't it to do the will of God to obey what God asks us to do and it seems impossible or absolutely ridiculous God you're gonna help me take down and overcome a city by marching around it and Tooting my horn that's a little cray-cray right to us faith is a risk but you know it's never a risk to God never it's never a risk to God because he already knows what is lined out and what he's gonna do we think of Noah we've gone over that story many times Noah's in the desert hasn't rained for years and God says I don't want you just to build a little boat I want you to build a cruise ship, an ark, a big cruise ship. Just you and your family. Really? God, I don't know if you've noticed, but it hasn't rained here for a long time. And, you know, building something that big with just me and my son, that's going to take a lot of time. God says, yeah, I know. We'll do it day by day. I'll provide. It'll all be taken care of. Really? Wow. What would you do if God asked you to build a cruise ship in the desert. Well, be a test of faith. But the Bible tells us this, by faith, Noah built an ark. And we know the end of the story, don't we? God had a long-term plan. God was never caught off guard or surprised by what was going to happen because he knew it was part of his divine will. You see, God tests our faith. He does it through difficulties, as we talked about last week, because we have to press into him and follow his way. And he does it by demands because he is the only one that can do the impossible. These demands in our life, he gives them to us to grow us in our faith. I don't need to understand it. I don't need it to make sense to me. I don't need to agree with it, per se. I just need to trust and follow him in faith. So, last week we looked at Faith comes through difficulties, and part of that, the lesson we need to learn was, we need to learn to rejoice at all times. Not be down, not be negative, but to learn to rejoice in all times because we know God is growing us. This week we look at God, test us through demands. What's the lesson we need to learn today? I need to learn to obey, there's one more word at the end of the sentence. I need to learn to obey always, always or immediately right now. If God calls me to do something, I need to obey. So where do you stand today? Or, for our group right now, where do you sit? What's God saying to you? You see, this is week two of God growing us in our faith. And in good Christian theology, there's always an application, isn't there? A doing, not just a hearing. So God may ask you this week, every day he may say give me your two most critical hours of the day give me those two well I'll take care of the rest of the day all the other 22 hours I just want two hours of your day but I want the two most critical hours of your day to follow me to trust me to love your enemy to be honest to be rejoiceful always, to obey, to be truthful. I just want the two most important hours of your day today. And then tomorrow I want just the two most important hours of that day. And I'll take care of the rest. So what are you going to do? God calls us to live by faith. And he's growing us. We realize it's a good thing. It's a great thing. It's a wonderful thing. But we have to do it whose way? God's way, Yahweh. We have to do it God's way. So this week my encouragement in my prayer for you and for myself is that tomorrow when tomorrow comes God's got you thinking. What are the two most critical hours of your day tomorrow? and How are you gonna trust and obey God in those two hours? Because God will take care of the rest. He just wants you to trust Him like those like his people wandering in the desert, collecting manna daily to learn to trust God, to learn to trust God. So give him those two hours this week, this day. Maybe your two hours are just today, still yet to come. But give God those two hours and let him grow you. Because what God does in this is as you see that God honors your faithfulness, And he blesses you, and he takes care of you, and he provides for you. What does that do tomorrow when it comes to the testing of your faith? It gives you hope and encouragement that God came through today. So chances are, if I trust God tomorrow, what's he going to do? He's going to come through again. And on that third day, well, God's taken care of me and honored his word two days in a row. So on the third day, I have more confidence that God's going to what? Take care of me that day too. God is slowly building us from little to big in this issue of faith. So trust God, give him those two critical hours, and let him take care of the rest. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we know that uh, we are personally challenged by uh, how you call us to grow in faith, Lord, just simply because uh, it takes us out of control. It, it takes us out of our understanding, and it, it, it moves us into an area of trust and faith in you. God, we have such a desire to, to control the things around us, um, to do it our way. We don't want in our worldliness to be inconvenienced or challenged or to uh, just have to move forward into something that just doesn't make sense to us, but often that's where you call us but you also, as we do it your way and surrender to you, you always provide for us and lead us and bless us. So Lord, I pray for those who hear this message today, that in the week to come, as we apply your word to our lives, that we would give you that most critical part of our day and trust you completely and grow in faith in you as we see you again and again and again overcome do the impossible provide for us and continue to bless us as we grow in our faith lord we pray that you would be glorified in jesus name amen